Welcome to the Morning Huddle, where business, healthcare, and lifestyle meet. This platform is designed to educate and equip business-minded training healthcare professionals to become the leaders in an evolving healthcare landscape. We are your hosts, Dr. Jermaine Fetty. And I'm student Dr. Kamal Smith. We're here to highlight practice owners making an impact in their communities, discuss core strategies to thrive as a healthcare professional, and secure a healthy financial future. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Our first guest of the Morning Huddle podcast is a board-certified pediatric dentist who owns five successful dental practices. He's from Chattanooga, Tennessee, currently working in Charlotte, North Carolina, and has traveled across the world um, to places including Brazil and Malawi, um, providing high-quality dental care. Uh, he's an excellent dentist and a businessman, creating opportunities and uplifting his community. Uh, we're excited to have him on the Morning Huddle to share his experiences and insights Without further ado, welcome and thank you for joining us. I'm Dr. Charles Cook. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, first of all, we'll just start uh, with some background. Um, if you don't mind, can you please just share a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today? Oh, man, that's a, that's a big question right there. Um, how I got to where I am today? Well, I will say I didn't do it alone. Um, that's the first thing. Um, I'm born, born and raised in Chattanooga, Tennessee, um, graduated high school in, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and then moved to uh, the Research Triangle Park area where I attended Duke University. Uh, so that's how I kind of came to North Carolina. Um, after Duke University, went to uh, UNC Chapel Hill, went to the rival school uh, for a year. I did some uh, post-grad work there and kind of switched gears. I was a music major at Duke University, but was uh, pre-med and then, you know, kind of trying to find my way. Um, and after that, I did the MED program at UNC, which then I was counseled to go and get my master's degree in biology, which I went to ECU, where Jermaine is from there. Uh, got my master's in biology, had a great time, great learning experience there. Um, and then from there, was enrolled at UNC Chapel Hill for dental school. After that, I went to Temple University Hospital, where I got my um, resident where I got my resident certificate in pediatric dentistry. That's a lot of great schools that you've attended. Um, your background yeah. is, is kind of similar to mine because I, you know, I went to Duke for undergrad and then UNC for uh, dental school. So really glad to have you on here. And um, I do have a couple questions um, for you. When was that moment where you decided to pursue um, pediatric dentistry? When was that spark for you? And why? So um, I've always grown up knowing that I like, I enjoy working with kids. I enjoyed the mentoring part of working with kids. Um, when I was growing up, my grandmother, I come from a line of educators. My grandmother was an educator. I have aunts and uncles who are educators. Um, so always, that was always kind of in my blood, if you will. Um, even in um, when I was, you know, getting my master's in biology and even in dental school, did some TAing. Um, there and, and some teaching along the way. Uh, so I, I just know that that's something that I've, that I've always enjoyed. So working with kids was kind of a natural progression there. But when I got into dental school, I didn't, I didn't know that I was going to be a pediatric dentist. Uh, I met a great pediatric dentist named uh, Dr. Antonio Braithwaite, a great mentor and friend of mine. Um, 
found somebody that was passionate about what he loves to do and just love to do it. Um, I mean, he told me, he said, he said that um, find something you love to do, find somebody to pay you to do it and you'll never work a day in your life. And just that passionate energy he had, it kind of really rubbed off on me. Um, I thought I was going to just be, a, not, I shouldn't say just because it's a, it's a great field though, but to be a, a general dentist and have a family practice. But the more and more I, I got around pediatrics and, and met some great pediatric dentists, you know, UNC has a lot of great pediatric dentists, you know, Tim Wright, Rocio Quinones, um, Jessica Lee, all of those doctors there, you know, kind of rubbed off on me. And I really realized that that was something that I had a passion for and I wanted to gain more expertise and experience in uh, in pediatric dentistry. So um, it started my first year. And then every year after that, I just really felt like that was calling me. That was home. That's what I wanted to do. That's where I felt like I could make um, the biggest difference in, in the dental world, you know, if you will. That's amazing. That's amazing. So mentally, if we can take you back in the time machine, back to when you were in dental school. Um, yeah. How, how would you describe your experience in dental school? Oh, man. So if I could go back to dental school, it's always funny when you're first year that you're loving it. Right. When you're second year, you're like, man, I would never want to do first year again. And when you're third, you're like, I would never want to be a second year again. And when you first graduate, first graduate, man, I could never do dental school again. It's very hard. Right. Um, I would I would actually say I would have tried to find more balance. I would try to embrace and enjoy every single moment of dental school. Um, I would have tried to, you know, um, just absorb everything that I could. I probably would have probably would have lived in a dental school around everybody that I could have been around just to glean that information from from those that are there. Um, that's that's really the only thing that I would do differently. To tell you the truth, I uh, I, I enjoy my dental school experience as much as it, one can enjoy their dental school experience. I think. UNC is a great, phenomenal, phenomenal dental school. Um, very well prepared me uh, for um, clinical dentistry and the understanding of uh, the basics of, of dentistry, for sure. That's amazing. So to speak on that same level of preparation, what did you do to prepare yourself to become a dental entrepreneur while you were in school? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I wasn't sure that I knew that I wanted to own my own business, but I didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really prepare to become a dental entrepreneur until I decided to become a dental entrepreneur. And once I did that, I started, you know, spending more time with people and asking more questions, um, speaking to mentors and understanding that, you know, it's just, we call it the practice of a dentistry for a reason, right? We're continually practicing, trying to better our craft. And it's the same thing for business. You know, there is there's a, a right way to do it. There's a wrong way to do it. And there's your way to do it. And sometimes it's kind of in between there. So um, I, I wasn't trying to reinvent the wheel, if you will. But I definitely wanted to kind of set, set my own path and set our own path to, to doing that. So kind of had to learn a little trial by error sometimes. So you've been wildly successful on multiple fronts. Um, but if you could talk to yourself back when you were in dental school or in your residency program, what, what kind of advice would you give yourself to make things real smooth? In terms of transitioning to business ownership? What would you tell yourself in, in anything? In you any, in any yeah. way, in any yeah. way. Oh man, ask more questions. Speak to more mm-hmm. people that are where you want to be. Um, get more information. Look at more opportunities. What other opportunities does the dental school have to offer you? 
Um, I know Jermaine, you and I were talking about what what you've done there when it comes to to implants and getting the certifications that you have and the awards that you have. You know, getting more of those things. You know, um, I hear you have your MBA, right? That's an opportunity that you can get in dental school, even you or your MPH, depending on what it is that you're trying to do. You know, maybe looking into some opportunities like that as an option as well. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, we have people who listen to the Morning Huddle that are at all stages of the journey. Um, to becoming um, where you're at or aspiring to become where you're at on the pre-dental level in dental school and also people who are newly graduated dentists themselves. Um, so if you can think back to when you just started practicing as a dentist, and that's a position where Jermaine is about to be in very soon, um, what, what did your typical schedule look like at that time um, compared to how your schedule looks now? Okay, so... I'm in a totally different boat or was in a totally different boat than Jermaine was because I wasn't coming straight out of dental school uh, and going into private practice. That's a totally different ball game than going into residency. Um, I don't know that I would have been very well prepared to maintain a schedule um, like private practice or, or at least in pediatric dentistry, like pediatric dentistry private practice will run had I not gone into residency. It would have been a little bit of a steep learning curve uh, but, but Jermaine's a very smart guy. He's going to do very well. I'm 100% sure of that. So after residency, um, I felt more prepared, right, to, to maintain and run a schedule. I'd seen a schedule. I'd seen a really good schedule and how it's run and how it's kept up with. Um, when I graduated, I went and I worked in a, uh, with a general dental group there, and I was the pediatric dentist. And so I rotated. I was able to kind of form my own schedule. And so it started off it started off small and I was able to kind of like figure out what made sense, you know, what works in residency where you have, you know, 18 different pediatric residents and you have, you know, attendings and everything like that, that schedule is not going to work in private practice where there's, you know, one pediatric dentist. So I got to, you know, take my time and, and form a schedule that works. And I wanted to make sure I had a schedule where I could take my time with my patients, build a relationship with my patients not feel rushed. Um, so I started off, you know, only seeing a few patients and gradually added patients as I was able to maintain that schedule. And that's still something that we do today in our practice. When we have new residents coming on board, you know, they may have a, a lighter schedule for the first week or first couple of weeks, you know, um, have a little time in between patients to be able to sit back and, and review and decide, you know, how that worked, what worked, what didn't work, things like that. So, um, but you definitely want to make sure that you have that time and you don't uh, compromise patient care. That was huge for me. Definitely, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, my yeah. next question is um, how did you build your clinical skills and especially when dealing with more complex cases um, after you um, transition into practice? Uh, continuing education, um, having access to resources, uh, speaking to colleagues, co-residents, uh, classmates, mentors, anytime something came up, you know, using that, using that collaboration skill that, that we learn, you know, uh, before you dive into something, treatment planning it, right? Okay, how do I treatment plan this? You know, how do I sequence this out? Or what do I do here versus there? You know, always keeping the patient's in best interest first. Um, and, um, and, and, and then and careful planning really is what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that kind of leads me into my next question. 
Um, what's it like working within a team setting as a uh, practicing dentist? Because I, I, I always hear in dental school that dentistry is a team sport. Yeah. Uh, how how has that been your experience um, as, as practicing as a dentist? I say it's imperative. I mean, I would never want to be on an island and you never are on an island. Even if you are the only dentist there, you have such, you have such a, a great network. You can always reach out to someone. Um, I had a, a dental school classmate who was a general dentist, but she saw kids and we would collaborate. Um, we would talk about treatment plans. Uh, we may not work. We worked in the same office for a couple, a couple of days a week, but not the rest of the time. And so we would collaborate. We would talk about treatment plans and we would talk about what to do here or what to do there. What do you see on this x-ray? Things like that. Or I would send an x-ray, you know, of course, with the parent's permission to a colleague, you know, they may not even be in the same state. Um, so, but when we're in a, a group that we are in right now, you know, we have 10 doctors that work for us. So it's a little bit different. We can reach out to somebody just by looking up and there's somebody right across from you. So that's really nice. You know, um, I see a patient in the Bay and um, I, I'm able to go and say, hey, doc, can you come take a look at this for me and let me know what you think, you know, or what would you do in this situation? Uh, able, to, able to do that. Or even, even like, you know, if I see a patient today and they're going to see the same patient tomorrow, I can prepare them for it verbally, give them a phone call, send them a text, whatever, to prepare them to see that patient and they do the same thing. So I love that about the group practice setting for sure. Yeah, that's, that's a huge advantage of working in a group practice um, compared to um, being a, a singular dentist in that type of environment. And right. That's something I, I hadn't really thought about as much at this stage, but it is definitely something that I'm, I'll remember. Yeah. yeah. You always got somebody that's right there. They got, they got your back, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. My next question is, um, what has been one of the most rewarding experiences that you've had as a pediatric dentist? Is there any experience that kind of stands out as one of the ones that were or something that, that really made you think like, yeah, like this, this is why I love being a pediatric dentist? Oh, yeah. It's just seeing the smiles of those those kids or, or those parents, you know, when you do a complete oral rehabilitation and, you know, D through G, the anterior teeth are... Uh, they look like they're bombed out. And mom thinks, oh, I, I, really, I really hope we can save those teeth. And you do some nice zirconia crowns on those and they come out and mom is just so thankful when she sees that, you know, that's, that's amazing, right? Um, what I really enjoy about it, pediatric dentistry is actually when I see that patient that I've seen for you know, five or six years coming into the office, excited to come into the office, um, and when they first came into the office, you could barely touch them. You could barely even look at them or speak to them. Um, they're just so anxious about dental treatment and you're able to transform somebody's life because now you know that when they turn into an adult, they are not going to be afraid to go to the dentist anymore. You know, they're gonna build off of that positive relationship that we've established at our office. And they're gonna be able to go to a general dental office and be comfortable in that general dental office. And they're gonna know what to look for in the general dentist that, that they are gonna establish a relationship with. Definitely. Definitely. Another thing I wanted to ask you, uh, when I was reading your, your bio on your website, was your work abroad. Um, I uh -huh. You've done work in Brazil and you've also done work in Malawi. Um, could you speak about um, those opportunities and kind of w w what you got out of that? Yeah, so I wouldn't say I worked, I would say I learned while I was there. So. Um, I went to Brazil during the transition between my third and fourth year in dental school, and I got to just see a different culture. I spent some time at the dental school there, 
uh, in Florianopolis, Brazil. I had an amazing time um, seeing the students, got to see some things that you don't get to see every day. I got to see like a Lafort surgery down there, see how they do some things. They do a lot of research down there. So I got to see some of the actually cutting edge research that they were doing at the time. Now it's like commonplace some of this stuff. So it's not even like, I can't even really say like, oh, this is the, the amazing research they were doing because we're doing a lot of that stuff now, like this uh, resident infiltration and just a lot of different things like that. They were just uh, experimenting and learning how to do down there. So that was Brazil, um, just being a different culture and, and, and seeing how, uh, how, they, how they do things there was, was amazing. Malawi was just a totally different, different thing. It was, it was um, life-changing um, to see what that country is in comparison to what the United States is. You know, uh, we, hear, we always hear the term first world problem. I actually got to see that, you know. Um, and I got to see the graciousness of the people of Malawi and how happy they were with what little they had. And when I come back to the States and I'm complaining about the hot water running out, um, I was just happy to have running water in Malawi, you know, which and some people don't have running water in Malawi. To see poverty on that level, to see people, kids so happy, you know, they're on the side of the road and they're selling, they're selling the food that they've grown so that they can live. You know, um, and to see those kind of things and to experience those kind of things and experience the joy that they experience from the simple things in life, it just really was eye-opening and it, it changed my whole perspective on things. Um, it made me definitely appreciate what's really important and valuable in this life. Uh, some sure. of the things that we think are important and really aren't important you know, in the grand scheme of things. Sure, sure. Well, at this stage in your career, are you still... Um, seeing patients as a practice owner of um, multiple practices, are you still doing a lot of the clinical work or is it more a managerial role? Oh, absolutely. At this time, I'm still very much in the clinic. I was in a clinic today, seeing okay. patients today for sure. Okay. Yeah. As, as you gain more people, definitely you want to establish some, some time and we're, we're establishing some time to have administrative roles there to, to provide mentoring to our young docs that are coming on board, to provide training to our staff and our team and our managers. Um, but it takes a great team to do. It's not something that you can do by yourself. Uh, there's no way that I would be even trying to establish to do this, all the work that we're trying to do and be in the clinic five days a week and then working you know, every night doing administrative work and on the weekends, that's what it would take and probably then some. Um, so definitely a little a nice balance of both. That's something that actually the pandemic has taught me is to, to have a great lifestyle balance um, of family and work. Um, um, are, are there, is there a particular type of procedure that you see most common or, or is it pretty much all across the board? I'd say it's all across the board. You know, we cater our treatment plans to the patients. You know, one patient might need a crown, another patient, similar situation, similar decay might just need a, a, a restoration, a composite restoration on the tooth there. So uh, I say it's it's all across the board. Okay. Well, let me ask one more question on the clinical side because I've been doing yeah. some research on pulpotomies and stretch pulpotomies. Um, how, how often do you perform those or do you, is, is that something you believe in? Oh, absolutely. You know, we want to save the tooth if we can, um, but it's in the right clinical condition. You know, it's all about um, treatment planning and case selection. You know, you want to choose 
you want to choose the cases that you think are going to be successful. And there's some that will be, and there's some that won't be. And through practice, you start to learn those things, you know, through science, you follow the science, you follow the evidence, and you can make some, some great decisions there. We, we touched, you touched on it just a little bit earlier about the work-life balance. Um, please teach us your way. How do you manage your life, your business, your continual education, your traveling? How do you manage all this? It's all about prioritizing, right? So have your priorities, write them down, um, and then live your life by them every day. You know, I think about my priorities every day. You know, if I say family is the number one priority, then I got to commit that, that, to that priority. You know, um, the, your, your biggest commodity that you have is your time, right? Um, and so how you spend your time and where you put your time really will tell you how you prioritize things. So uh, that's what I would say. That's what I love. That's, that's amazing. So let's, let's, let's hop into the nitty gritty a little bit, Doc. Let's do it. You're wildly successful, so... I wouldn't say wildly, but you know. wildly successful. <laughs> I just try to do what you got in your background, man. I try to outwork everyone. I love that. Know. Always, love that. always keep grinding. You know, stay hungry. Never get comfortable in your little box. You know. So for us going from zero practices to one practice, hopefully, can you just break down how how did that whole acquisition thing go from? How did you go from zero? to multiple, um, to building uh, a, a regional power at this point? So um, I never set out to do that. I just set out to take great care of my patients, you know, one patient at a time. That's, that's the honest truth there. Um, that was my goal from the beginning and it's my goal every single day. Um, as we grow, we grow, we, you know, greatness attracts greatness, you know, like attracts like. So, um, we we want to grow with a great team. We bring on a great team and we want to have the same mindset of how to take care of patients. And as patient demand builds up, um, the supply builds up and you have to, you have to satisfy that demand by bringing on, you know, more like-minded individuals to help you, you know, carry out your vision and your goals. So that's kind of how that kind of happened organically for us. That's kind of growth right there, as needed. For sure. As for needed. sure. For sure. Yeah. Yes, and, and sometimes a little bit of luck helps along the way, too, you know. <laughs> you too good to be lucky, Doc. <laughs> no worries. Fortunate, then. Blessed, however you want to say Blessed that. and highly favored. I love that. That's it. it. So what kind of advice would you give a dental student um, or an associate who's aspiring to become a practice owner? Um, I would say ask, ask your why. Start with why. Uh, Simon Sinek has a great uh, TED talk, which is about why. Uh, just listened to that uh, a few weeks ago again, and it's very powerful. You need to know why you want to become a practice owner. Write it down, commit to it, make sure it aligns, and then speak to other practice owners about your why. You know, um, your why might be different than my why, um, but know what it is, and then determine if that's the right thing for you. You know, I think we're taught that practice ownership is where it's like the ultimate goal. And it is for some people, and but for some people it's not, you know? So just know where your passion truly lies. That's what I would say. That's good. So as, as far as your practice and, and your, your business growth, would you, how would you describe your, your personal business model? Would you say it's more 
um, acquisition-based, startup-based, partnership-based? How would you describe it? We, so we acquired our first two locations. That was, an, that was an acquisition. And then the last three have been startups. So we're only five in. It's really kind of hard to say which way it's going to go. You know, all opportunities are on the table. We look for great opportunities. Um, and when you find a great opportunity, that's the one you go for. You already said. Uh, so yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put myself in. I wouldn't put myself in a box to say, oh, we're only startups or oh, we're only acquisitions. You know, we're, we're trying to position ourselves to be able to do to do both, right? But really, what it comes down to is, what does it take to offer great care to our patients? You know, uh, we we had Belmont Pediatric Dentistry. See in the background there, um, and we found that a lot of our patients were traveling to see us. We opened up a practice from where closer to where they were traveling from to come see us, you know? Um, and that's been very successful for us. Amazing. So for us trying to grasp our head around how you balance all this, can you take us in a week in your life? What does it look like Sunday through Saturday? What okay. does it look like? It depends on the week. <laughs> it really depends on the week. <laughs> so, it depends. Yeah, it does, it does. So I try to prioritize my family, right? So I have family time. So weekends are almost exclusively for family time. And if I take a if I take a weekend and I use it for business, I'll make it up during during the next week or next couple of weeks and I, I dedicate some time to a family. So, you know, whatever your priority is, you want to dedicate that time for that, right? So for me, that's usually my typical weekend. Monday mornings is my administrative day. I'm back on the grind, administrative, meeting with my managers, meeting with my team leaders. Uh, talking about the week that we just had, talking about the week we have upcoming and, and starting to plan for the future. So then I, I meet with my business partner, uh, Dr. Oscar Vula, uh, and we have, we have a meeting. We, we probably talk all the time, you know, off and on, but we, we make sure we sit down, you know, on that day and, and discuss, discuss the plan as well. Um, and then uh, right now it's all over the place. I might be in the clinic on Tuesday, or I might be doing some more administrative meetings, having department level meetings. Um, and it's just about putting people in the right place to succeed, giving them the tools that they need, uh, being there to support them and helping them to grow. Uh, I can't make every single decision myself. Uh, I need a team of people who can help make decisions and help get things done and help execute things. So I meet with my team. I, I spend time with them. I coach them, I mentor them. They coach and mentor me as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure exactly how to give you what a week looks like because each week is new. Each week is different. You know, I go where I'm needed. Uh, I meet with advisors. We have a great team of advisors who work outside of our practice and, and can come in and advise us on, on the various aspects, whether it's accounting, uh, whether it's practice management, whether it's insurance related or marketing. Um, all of those things are very important. And so you have to have the time to manage to be able to, to do that. Sometimes it's during the day, sometimes it's in the evenings. Um, and, then, and then you take time for self. You know, I, I like to wake up every morning, get a, get a nice little workout in before I get started with my day. It's, it's just kind of like the me time. And then in the evenings, get a little time, catch up on some emails, do a little reading, a little audible uh, here and there, things like that. Yeah. And occasionally you can go out and have fun. You know, it's, it's the pandemic now. So that, that's really even a harder question to ask, ask right now, you know. So everything is, is just flipped upside down. So. Yeah, for sure. 
I've also found a pandemic can be the time to grind too, you know, not going out as much, you know, not going to restaurants and just try to be a little bit more efficient with my time. For sure. But we do have um, two final questions. Um, One, and they're from two different perspectives. So um, do you have any final words of advice for um, either associate dentists or dentists that are just graduating and want to move into practice ownership? Um, The final piece of advice that they can really take into their career to become as successful as possible? Yeah, I would say um, create a great team around you. Um, And what I mean by that is start with the support team. Um, Find somebody that's doing what you want to do, the way you want to do it, and and somebody that you can ask open and honest questions. And ask as many questions as you can think. There's no dumb question to ask. Um, Try to get as much information as you can, but then go out and do it. Don't be afraid to fail. Um, Failing is just an opportunity to learn. And it's just a setup to succeed in the future. So don't be afraid to fail. Go out there, make some decisions, make some right decisions, make some wrong decisions, but always take a step back and learn from those decisions. Um, Like I said before, start with your why, know why you want to do it, and let that guide you. Let that guide every decision that you make. Amazing. Do you have any final words for as far as students? Any advice to help them get through, get into dental school and finish strong? so they can have this kind of opportunity one day. Same thing, start with why, right? Right. Make sure you know what you're doing and why you're doing it every single day. That's the way you're gonna get through dental school because it's gonna be tough and there are gonna be some days you're gonna ask yourself, why am I doing this? Um, And there are people that do. There are people that do and they they continue, they finish strong. There are people that do, they don't finish, um, they regret it. There are people that do and they don't finish and they're even happier because of it, you know? I say you should enjoy every moment of every day. Life is too short to spend time doing things that you don't really want to do or that you don't value. But if you have your why and you value your why, and your why is more important to you than whatever struggle you're facing, you're gonna you're gonna power through that. You're gonna get it done. And you're gonna get you're gonna overcome and get to the end there for sure. That's amazing, thank you. Yeah, yeah. those are those are great words to really leave on. And uh, we just want to thank you for joining us and sharing your story sharing some of your insights. I'm sure that any and everybody that listens to The Morning Huddle will really gain a lot of value from your words. And uh, we just really appreciate you being a mentor to us and also to someone who's willing to to give back and, and share your insight. Absolutely. It's an honor and a privilege for sure.